a pioneer. His words reveal him to be a pioneer in the early church as he preached. Letter A, we see the ministry that Paul was given. We see the ministry he was given there in verse number 2. If he had heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word. Paul says that, what did it say there? He was given a dispensation. I know sometimes you look at verses, you hear the word mystery, you hear dispensation, you hear some of these bigger words, and you're like, I don't quite get what's going on here. By the end of the message, you'll understand what's going on here. What we see here is the word dispensation. It means stewardship, administration, or management. This word refers to a person who's responsible to care for the business of another. Paul was given oversight of the gospel to get it to the Gentiles. That was what Paul's ministry was all about. He had the task to tell them about God's love. He had the task to tell them about God's salvation, his grace, and the place they had been given in the kingdom of God. That's what Romans chapter 15 tells us. Nevertheless, brother, and I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God. Verse 16 that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. And Paul was letting us know that that was what God called him to do. Paul's ministry for his life was to get the gospel, to be a minister of the gospel to the Gentiles. Aren't you thankful today that Paul got the gospel to the Gentiles? Are you thankful for his ministry? And his ministry, he was not called by men. Men didn't call Paul to do what he did. God called him to do it. And if you look at um, 1 Timothy 1, verse 12 and 13, that's what Paul says. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for he hath counted me faithful. Who put Paul in the ministry he was in? Jesus Christ did. He said he put me in the ministry. Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And we see here with Paul that Paul was given this ministry by God. He did not take this on his own. God gave it to him. And Paul finished the ministry that God gave him in, first, in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. Uh, 2 Timothy 4, 7. It's going slow back there. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Hey, the ministry that God gave me, I finished it. I've kept the faith. We see that there. And aren't you thankful that Paul finished that God, what God gave him to do? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16 and 17, For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. I've been given a charge. I've been given something to oversee. God's called me to this, what Paul was saying. And Paul had an urgency. He was compelled to preach the gospel because God gave him the task that he had. Now this morning as we sit here, none of us have been given that same task that Paul was given. And what a task that was to get the gospel to the Gentiles. But let me just remind us of something this morning. Well, none of us have been called to be an apostle of the Gentiles. We have each been given a dispensation of God's grace. The Lord gave each of us spiritual gifts, talents, abilities, knowledge, and opportunities. It's our job to be good stewards of the things that God's given to us. 
And Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 10, he said, As every man hath received the gift. Say, well, pastor, I just haven't received the gift. Are you saved? Then you have the gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit of God becomes living inside of you. If you're saved, you have the gift. Look what it says. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Each and every one of us has a ministry. Your ministry might not be like Paul. Your ministry might not be my ministry. But there is something, there's a dispensation of God's grace he's given to you. There are talents that God's given you. There are abilities that God's given you. For his glory. What are you doing with the things that the Lord has given you? <laughs> Paul said it for himself. He said, I have to do this. I must do it. The Lord's called me to it. And the Lord, this, this, you got to understand something this morning. You have purpose. Every person in this room, you have purpose today. You have a reason to live. You have purpose and God has something for you. But so many Christians miss out on God's plan because they don't do anything with what God's given them. You wonder why a lot of Christians aren't happy? Because you're not doing what God would have you do. How can Paul sit in a prison cell and, sit and say, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice? Because he was doing what God called him to do. A lot of Christians aren't happy because we just don't do what God's called us to do. And God's given each of us. And this, we are stewards of the things God's given to us. Remember the story of the man with the talents? Three men with talents? One had one, one had two, one had five. Or one had one, one had five, one had ten. It's one of those. There's a couple different ones in the Gospels there. And so one, two, and five, I believe, is what it is. And uh, the man with one did nothing with his. He sat on it and did nothing. That's what most Christians do. God's given them talents and abilities to use for him. And they sit and do nothing with it. That's right. When God's given you a gift, when God's given you talents, you need to use those for his glory. Amen. You want to be happy in the Christian life? Use what God's given you for his glory. Let me encourage you this morning. If you're sitting there and doing nothing with what God's given to you, do something with it. I'm a firm believer that God places within the local church everything needed for that local church to do the work of God that means if you're a part of this local church, God has you here because there's a part of the body that you are supposed to fulfill that I cannot fulfill and no one else can. God has that spot for you. Are you doing what you can for the Lord with what he's given to you? Say, Pastor, I can sing, but are you singing for his glory? Say, doing special music, are you singing in the choir? Pastor, I can serve, I can go do this. Are you doing those things? What happens a lot of time in churches, you have a few people that do everything. Not even the ones who are gifted in those areas because the work has got to get done. But imagine how effective a church could be if everyone in that church used the gifts that God has given them and used those for his glory. How what an impact the church would have for the cause of Christ. I want to encourage you this morning. You've been given a dispensation of God's grace. Use it. Be good stewards of what God's given to you. It's important. We see letter B this morning. Not only the ministry that Paul's given, but letter B, we see the mystery he was given. We hear mystery, and ooh, what mystery is this? The word mystery, look at verse number three there. It says, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. The word revelation, 
means an uncovering. Or it means uncovering. The word mystery means a hidden thing. So it's uncovering a hidden thing. That's what the revelation of a mystery is. I think most of us figured that out before I even said it. The book of Revelation is the unveiling of who Jesus Christ really is. So the book of Revelation is. So Paul, God used Paul to, in other words, he was able to take things that people did not quite understand that God knew, and he was able to tell us about those things. What Paul had been writing about is a divine secret, and its truth was hidden for centuries and ages. Abraham didn't understand the mystery. Adam didn't understand the mystery. David didn't understand the mystery. Moses didn't understand the mystery. Isaiah didn't understand the mystery. None of them possessed that knowledge. It was hidden from them in the secret counsels of God. So, well, pastor, what are you talking about? Genesis chapter 12, verse number 3. God may have promised Abraham, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. Now look at this last phrase of the verse. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. There's the mystery. How can all the families of the earth be blessed through Abraham? How is that going to work? Well, what did Paul say in Galatians chapter 3, verse number 8? He said, in the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preach the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. So God was preaching to Abraham the gospel, the fact that man would be just, the heathen would be justified through faith. But Abraham didn't know that's what that was talking about. And it said, and shall all nations be blessed. Okay, how are you going to do it? They quite understand it. Isaiah prophesied in chapter number 49, verse number 6, they said, it is a light thing that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the preservation of Israel. And I will give thee for a light to the Gentiles that they may be my salvation unto the end of the earth. No one understood fully what Isaiah 49, 6 was talking about until Paul explained it this way in Acts chapter number 13, verse 46 and 47. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It is necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing ye put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. That's what the mystery has to do with what it's all about. Paul says in verse number 4 of our text, Whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. In other words, Paul saying, I have insight given to me by God that no one else possesses. And he was able to share those insights with us. And thank God he was able to. All scriptures given by what? Inspiration of God. There are many people today who might say, God gave me something that's never been seen before. Watch out when someone says that. So what Paul said, was the Bible complete? Was it complete? Paul's scriptures, Paul's writings, the epistles had to be written. God inspired, God breathed, God moved on the human pens that wrote the Bible. And I know you look at something and you're like, I just don't understand how inspiration and all that works. And I always give a simple illustration of it. Right, everyone looking at me? 
Some of you know this. Don't spoil it for those who don't know it. I'm going to write something here, okay? Did I just write that? Did I write that? No, I didn't. I pinned it. The instrument that God used to pen his words was man. That's how it worked. That's a simple illustration of inspiration. These are not just a bunch of words that man penned together. These are God's words. And the fact that Paul could be preaching and talking about and writing things from almost 3,000 years before. And it'd be true. Or Isaiah writing seven or 800 years before Paul, and it all works together. The Bible, it's God's book. There's no iris to someone the other day talking about how the Bible contradicts itself about soul winning. And so the question I ask is, show me a contradiction. Well, um, I can't think of any right now. There are no contradictions in the Bible. The right. only problem is us. We just don't understand. <clears throat> Let God be true and every man a liar. Don't forget that. When we see the mystery that he was given, what was that mystery? The mystery of the fact that the Gentiles could get saved. And that Jesus Christ, by dying for everyone, <laughs> paid the price for everyone. Which leads us to let us see the message he was given. The message he was given. Now, go back with me to chapter 1 of Ephesians. And I know we've already went through these verses, but I want you to look at them again. Ephesians 1, verse number 9, the Bible says, Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Look at chapter 2, verse number 11. Wherefore remember. Wherefore remember that ye, being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. But at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. The mystery is the truth that the Gentiles have been included alongside the Jews in God's plan to form his church. That's the mystery. The mystery is the truth that the Jews and the Gentiles were brought together. That wall of separation in chapter number 2 was torn down. And that through Jesus Christ, it didn't matter if you were a Jew or a Gentile, all could come to God and get saved. It's powerful when you think about it. I've mentioned it before, it's kind of hard for us to comprehend how much hatred there was between the Jews and Gentiles of that day. The Jews were the ones who they felt they were near God. They viewed the Gentiles as the ones who were afar off. They wouldn't even let them pass a certain part of the temple because they were the ones who got to be close to God, not the, Jews, not the Gentiles. But the Bible tells us, and through the scriptures as we see, 
that Jesus broke down that wall of partition between And the hatred they had and no fellowship with them, what Paul said is that basically Jews and Gentiles were on level ground when it came to God. Not only could a Jew get saved, but a Gentile could be saved. That was hard for Peter to accept, remember? He had the dream, the vision there, and he said, not so, Lord. I still don't know how you can put Lord and not so in the same sentence. You claim him to be your Lord, but you're telling him no. That's what Peter said to begin with. Because it was a hard thing for them to get. And Paul clarifies these things. Keep reading here in chapter 3 where we're at. And it says, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Look at verse 6. And these are the things that are part of that mystery. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs, and of the same body, and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. We see this message he was given. He was given the message that Gentiles are fellow heirs. The Gentiles who were once aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant of promise, and having no hope without God in the world, you see, now possess the same legal standing as his chosen people, the Jews. And every single believer is on the same level. We all are given the same blessings. We're all given the same amount of the Holy Spirit. We're no longer strangers. We're no longer outcasts. We're no longer aliens, but we are, as the Bible says in 1 John 3, verse number 1, we are called the sons of God. Praise God for that this morning. And we see this morning that all God's promises, we share in those today because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross that day. We see Paul's message was the Gentiles are fellow heirs. Next thing, the Gentiles are of the same body. That is, believers in Jesus Christ share a common life in Jesus. The same life that flowed through Paul is the same life that flows through us today. Just as every cell in your body shares the life of your body, so every believer in Jesus shares the common life of God. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 and 13 is all about. For as the body is one and have many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Say, Pastor, you sound like this one big body of Christ after all Christians. Understand something. The Lord works through local bodies today. Very clear in the scriptures. Someday there will be a universal church. A one body of believers. When we get called out of this place and the rapture happens, we'll be called out assembly with the Lord. And it won't matter if you're a Baptist or if you're a Methodist or whatever you are, if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the common denominator. There are many religions out there that don't preach Jesus Christ. And if you are not trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to understand something this morning. I'll say this as nice as I can, but you're bound to hell. 
Jesus Christ is the way, he's the truth, and he's the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by him. There is no other way. We do not coexist. Not all things end up in the same place. No, there's one door. There's one way. And it's Jesus Christ. Well, I'll try my way. Our way will never get us where we need to be. It's through Jesus Christ. It's not by works, but it's by trusting in his dear son and what Jesus did for us. The Bible says the Gentiles are the same. Body. How about this one? And the Gentiles are partakers of the promise in Christ. Those who are in Christ Jesus are heirs and inheritors of all of God's promises in Christ. When the Jews looked for a Messiah, they were looking for one who could save them from their sins, deliver them from their enemies, secure them as a nation, and bless them with his presence and the goodness of God. All of those things are what we have in Jesus Christ. They were not expecting a babe born a manger. But that's how he came. And we have all the blessings that we do. And we get to be a part of God's family. Because of what Jesus Christ did for us. How do we get this? The Gentiles achieve this standing, and I already said it, by the gospel. It's all about the gospel. And the gospel is the fact that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 and 4 tells us. Look at it again. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel right there. That's the good news. The only way anyone is ever saved is through the gospel. The only way to become part of this promise, the only way to, um, as we look at these verses here, become fellow heirs, the only way to be part of that same body is by the gospel. That's it. We see these things in Christ. So the mystery that Paul is preaching is the truth that Jews and Gentiles are made one in Jesus Christ. Make sure you understand it's in Jesus Christ. I'm not saying this morning that when all that happened that Jews and Gentiles are the same. No, in Christ, what he did, we have access to God. Amen. And at the foot of the cross, when, when you're saved, it doesn't matter what color your skin color is. Right. We have a lot of prejudice in our world today. Do you realize that we divide things today by race, color, and all these different things? That's not where divisions came from in this world. You know why division came? Sin. Do I need to help you understand Tower of Babel? whole world spoke one language at that time. There were no races. Everyone was all there. What happened? Man sinned. Sin of pride. We're going to make we're going to make this tower. We're going to reach God. We're going to be as great as God. Sin caused division. We divide over all these different race, color, and all these things. I want you to understand something. And maybe not as much today here in California, but it's still around us. Being prejudiced because someone's skin color isn't your color. Do you realize that Jesus' skin color probably isn't your skin color either? No. Jesus was a Jew. I hear a lot of Christians who are very prejudiced against Jews. Jesus was one. Think about that one for a minute. Where we get prejudiced against black and all these different things, but it doesn't, there is no prejudice with God. 
in Jesus Christ, there is none. Amen. You see, God doesn't look and see what color your skin is to see if he's going to save you or not. He'll save you. Amen. And we got to remove those prejudices. And if you're here today and you, you are a prejudiced person, you need to get right with God. Don't tell me you're a good Christian and you are prejudiced against another group of people. God loves all people. Amen. <clears throat> Even the ones who wear towels on their heads. He does. No, he does. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So not only are we made one in Christ, but you've got to look at the reverse side of that as well. The fact is not only are all believers in Jesus, but Jesus is in all believers. That's what Colossians 1.27 tells us. To whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory of his mystery among the Gentiles. Are you ready for it? Look at it. Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The same Jesus who died on the cross and dwells the spirits of his people. He's in every saint of God, regardless of his or her heritage. He's our common ground. He's our unifier. He's the one element that makes us one. Jesus should be bigger than the differences in race, difference in ethnicity, religious background, social status, economic needs, or any other consideration. All that matters is Jesus Christ. Amen. That's why the Bible is very clear that we must strive for unity in the body of Christ. We can't allow personal feelings, opinions, and actions of others to disrupt the unity that God's trying to build in this church. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter number 12, he tells us, If it be possible, as much as life, then you live peaceably with all men. I quote that verse to someone in my office. They're like, Pastor, it says, if it be possible. <laughs> that means there's times where it's just not possible. I had an answer back for that one. I don't always have answers for people when they do things like that, but I had an answer for this one. Doesn't the Bible say for with God, all things are possible? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good excuse, but not really. It is possible to live peacefully with all men because Jesus lives inside of you. Amen. You can. It's important. God's will for his church is very clear in 1 Corinthians 1.10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Philippians 1.27 tells us, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast, in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's what Christ desires for his church. He doesn't desire his church to have a bunch of divisions in it. He desires that our lifestyle, our church lifestyle, be the gospel of Christ. That we be in one spirit, one mind. That's God's desire. That's the type of church that Christ wants us to have. Divisions are not signs of God working. They're not. One mind. One accord. You look in the book of Acts when the church did great things. They're in one mind and one accord. Every single time. It's important. We must strive for unity. 
Where are we at with time? I'm going to give you a little bit more that's not in your notes, but you can add this if you want at the bottom. You can find a place on your notes. I wasn't sure if I was going to have time to go into this. The last service I did, since we the two morning services, we keep them together. We're going to finish up point number three. So last week we saw point number one, which was Paul the Pioneer. Point number two, this morning is Paul the Pioneer. And number three, if you're going to keep notes, last thing you need to write down is Paul the Preacher. Paul the preacher. And look at verse number 7 of our text. We'll be done here in just a few minutes. Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. After Paul reveals the mystery to his readers, Paul wants them to understand how he came into the office he held. Did Paul wake up one day and say, you know what? I'm going to be a preacher to the Gentiles. No, that's not how it was. In fact, Paul was going out persecuting Christians. And we see, and when we think about, Paul didn't choose the path of his life. The Lord did. And in fact, he was a man of position and power. You think about this, he was a man of position and power before he ever met the Lord. When salvation came to Paul, along came with it a call to the gospel. Paul was giving his testimony. I want you to take your Bibles with me to Acts chapter number 26 just for a minute. Acts 26. Acts 26. You're saying, Pastor, you're going to put the verses up on the screen. It's good to flip around your Bibles too. Don't ever get too comfortable with verses on the screen if you don't look, know how to flip in your Bible. A Christian that does not know how to use the user manual for life, the Bible is a Christian who's going to have a very hard time in life. You should know the Bible. You should be able to flip through it and know where passages are. And your Bible should be one of the greatest tools you use in your Christian life. Acts 26, and Paul, we see here, is giving his testimony. Go down with me to verse number 15. Acts 26, verse 15. Now let me just remind you of something. As we witness and share the gospel, one of the most powerful things that you can share is your testimony. Paul talks about in the book of Revelation. They overcame them by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Your testimony is powerful. You might say, my testimony is boring. Compared to some in this room, I have a very boring testimony. But it's my testimony. That's the work that God did in my life. And if we share with others what God's doing in our life, it's a great tool. We'll see Paul use that. Look at verse number 15. Paul says here in Acts 26, And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But arise. So we see that Jesus is still speaking. But arise and stand upon thy feet. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both of those things which thou hast seen and of those things which I, uh, which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. You see what the Lord said to Paul. You see that Paul was called by God. God called him. It wasn't Paul's education. It wasn't his power. It wasn't his esteem among men or any other thing that made him a preacher of the gospel. It was the sovereign will of God that God made him a minister of the gospel. God took Paul, intervened in his life, and made him something he had never been. He made a preacher out of him. And send him out to preach the mystery of the gospel. A couple of thoughts as we round the finish line, as we get to the end here this morning. 
couple things that I see in the scriptures that are important. And I mentioned this. I'm not just saying, no, I'm not planning on going anywhere. The Lord called me here not a little over nine years ago. And unless the Lord writes in the sky and makes it very clear to me, this is where I stay until I die or the rapture happens. But someday if something happens to me and you need to call a pastor to this church, one of the first things you need to ask them is when did God call you? I believe a preacher should be God called. I believe that's very important. I'm, there are too many pastors out there today that were man called, not God called. God needs to call. Now I'm not saying this morning that like Paul, Paul and the apostles, well, Jesus Christ specifically called him. He was right there with him. When I was called to ministry, Jesus wasn't standing in my face telling me to go do something. <laughs> there are people who claim that today because they claim to be apostles. There are no apostles today. The scriptures are complete. There are no apostles. There's no new revelation anymore. When that which is perfect is come, that which is in part shall be done away. The Bible is complete. No apostles today. You say, well, so-and-so calls himself an apostle. In order to be an apostle, and Paul defended his apostleship, you must be called by Jesus Christ specifically himself. <laughs> Paul was the last one. Who <coughs> but I believe it's important. And you say, well, how are you called? The Holy Spirit of God moved. And I can give you a definite time that he called me a pastor. And if you ever get another pastor here, you need to make sure that he's called by God. And make sure that that's where it stands. Another thought is this. Don't be jealous of God's call of ministry for someone else. Use the ministry that God's given you. We've all been given a ministry. God doesn't call everyone to be a pastor. God doesn't call everyone to be deacons. He doesn't call everyone to be certain. He calls all of us to whatever ministry he gives us. And it's important for us to remember that. And, you know, we look in this morning, I love singing. Singing is not my gift. I can do it. And even with the sore throat, we got through it this morning. But Brother Jay, God's gifted him in that area. And I can sit back all morning long and be like, man, I just can't be like Brother Jay. He's just so good. I wish God would give me some talent for him to sing. And uh, God didn't give me that talent. But I can take what God's given me and do my very best for God the way he's given it to me to use. And praise God that God can use someone like Brother Jay to minister the way he does through song. That's a one, it's not, sometimes we get in ministry and in positions, we get to this thing, we're in a race to see who can do more. It's not, it's not a competition. We're serving the king of kings. Our goal is to get the gospel to this lost world. That's all the goal is. And we're on the same team, fighting together. And God might put people in different ranks, but at the end of the day, the ground's all level for the cross. That doesn't change anything. And I love about Paul. Paul calls himself here a minister of Jesus Christ there in that verse, verse number seven. The word minister here is the same word that's used for deacon throughout the New Testament. It refers to a servant, literally a table waiter come from a word that has the idea of kicking up dust. It's an individual that's so moving around from one activity to another at such a speed, they leave a cloud of dust in their wake as they move through. See, how did Paul see himself? Just as a servant. Let me just remind us this morning, church. If you're saved, you're a servant of Jesus Christ. He's bought you. He's redeemed you. We belong to him. Your body in Christ, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's, not yours. Amen. But I also want to remind you of something. That not only are we servants 
Jesus, but we're servants one to another. That's important to remember. We're servants to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a ministry, and we are to fulfill that ministry to the glory of God, and there's no greater love than to serve the Lord and serve his people. Isn't that what the two great commandments are? Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind, and then to love thy neighbor as thyself. Yeah. We look at all these things, and this morning as I close, we see that Paul, from last week to this week, was a prisoner, a pioneer, and a preacher. God worked in his life and did great things in his life. And God's the one who called him to these things. If you're saved, you have a purpose for him today. He desires to equip you, to use you, and to make your life a blessing in his kingdom work. If you're not serving him as you should, hey, pay attention real quick here. If you're not serving him like you should, why don't you start serving him today? <clears throat> Get back to it. Say, Lord, I may not have many talents, but I haven't been doing anything of what you've given to me. Then start doing something today. Someday we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we'll give an account to God for the things that we do and the things that the Lord's given to us. Serve Him. There's no greater joy in the Christian life than being able to do the things of God. Paul can say rejoice in the Lord always because he was doing the things of God. I look at Christians and I hear them often. I'm just so miserable. The most miserable ones are the ones who are doing nothing for the Lord. Right. And we know that that's true. That's true. Get out your talent, whatever it may be, and use it for the glory of God. Amen. And maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You see, the whole sermon and everything else, it will really mean nothing if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior. He died for you. He loves you. Send his son to die on the cross for you so you could have a home in heaven with him. That's what salvation is all about. And coming to church this morning doesn't get you to heaven. Getting baptized in our baptistry over there doesn't get you to heaven. What gets you to heaven? By believing in Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning you don't know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you can get that settled today. What a blessing that would be. And maybe a Christian today, you haven't been doing the things the Lord has called you to do. Let's serve Him. Let's not grow weary and well-doing. Let's remember it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor, what? Is not in vain. Lord. It's not in vain. Let's serve him, let's love him, let's do what we should. If you're not saved, I challenge you today to come to Christ for salvation. Because guess what? He's near. Jesus Christ made it possible so you could get saved today. Father, thank you. The time we've had in your word this